Another podcast, not one that I wanted to do by any means, not one that I was looking forward to, but I know that it's necessary. Um, Yeah, I'm going to be doing this one solo. I just want to thank you guys. For anyone who's new to this podcast, it may not be the best one that you wanted to tune in on. I understand that, but at the end of the day, I'm a black man, and it would be... It would be uh, it wouldn't be wise of me to see all that's going on in the world and not not speak on it. It wouldn't be wise of me to not let my black brothers and sisters know I'm there for them and not allow my my white races and all the other races um, understand that, you know, that this is something that needs to be addressed. And I believe that it needs to be addressed mainly in church circles, because at the end of the day, God is the only one that can change us. But welcome back to the Godly Dating 101 podcast. <laughs> you know, it's just a privilege. You know, you guys are always supporting. You guys are always showing love. You know, this may not be one you share. I get that. But at the end of the day, I just want to talk. You know, let you guys hear my heart. You know, I guess see where I'm at. You know, where things are. Because I have been a little bit limited on my social media use in regards to the subject. And it hasn't been in fear of backlash. I've been trying to be Christ-like because I have been very frustrated. You know, a lot of people, you know, they think of the the guy who just died and they honestly believe that all this outrage is because of him. They think all of the looting is because of him. They think they think all the stuff that's going on that's causing black people to be angry is because of him when in reality we're just tired, man. I'm mentally exhausted. I'm spiritually trying to keep my head above water because ultimately I know God has a plan for us. But at the end of the day, there's still some times where I'm like just being vulnerable. Like, God, where are you? You know, God, you cannot have black people literally being shot down in the street. But when I see this stuff on the news or a notification pops up on my phone or I see a social media hashtag, I'm not surprised anymore, you know, because it's normal. It's second nature in America. And to understand that we're in a fallen world, sin is always going to happen. But we cannot allow this to become normal. We can't sit by as Christians, calling ourselves Christians and not speaking up. We can't say we love our brothers and sisters and not speak up in injustice. We can't say we love God, who we have never seen, but say we love we, we can't say we love him and then we don't love our brothers and sisters that's near us. The Bible says that you're a liar. You've never seen God. So how could you love someone you've never seen if you won't even show love to the people that you see? You know, so I'm not, this, this podcast isn't to attack white people. No, by any means, by any stretch of the imagination, I will never attack any race because it's not a matter of good or bad white people. You know, it's a matter of, it's a matter of good good and bad people in general. You know what I mean? Race is simply, you know, like a social construct. We're a human race. You know, people, you know, they they began this whole differentiating us by our colors years ago. And it was just a matter of making people superior to the next one. Because a white man is not more educated than a black man just because he's white. No, maybe he's more educated because he went to school. A black man is not more educated than a Hispanic woman 
or man because he's black. No, they're, they're probably more educated because of whatever situation there is. You get my point. I'm, no one is better than anyone. No race is more superior than anyone. No race is more athletic and more this and more that. No, we're, God made us all different. But the problem is, is when we see our differences as though we are better than anyone or that we're lesser than anyone. And I want to encourage all of you listening, don't allow anyone to make you feel insecure about how God made you. We are made in the image of God, and it does not matter if you have more, you know, melanin in your skin tone or not. You are in the image of God, and God has made no mistakes. You know, so I'm just real frustrated, you know, because I'm not even thinking about George, uh, you know, in the middle of this. I'm thinking about Michael Brown Jr., you know, I'm thinking about Trayvon, Trayvon Martin, you know, I'm thinking about Amar Arbery. We just talked about this a couple weeks ago, and here we go again, Sandra Bland, you know, all these people, Philando Castile, routine traffic stop, the cop asked him for his wallet, and while he reached for his wallet, the cop shot him and killed him in front of his in front of his girl and his child. The child had to be only about three or four years old. You know, and it's it's this is a lot to this is a lot to grasp, man. Because I don't regret being black one day in my life, but I'll be lying to you if I didn't know that being black didn't put a target on my back. You know, this stuff goes all the way back to today's and, you know, Emmett Till. You know what I mean? This is this is America's issue, the issue of racism. And we have to discuss it. Christians, you can't shy away from this topic. I already know some people saw the, the topic, you know, the, the title of this podcast and said, oh, it doesn't apply to me. And that's the problem because you didn't have a family member killed um, for no reason. You feel this doesn't apply to you because you don't feel like you have a target on your back. You feel this doesn't apply to you because you have that degree. You have some pedigree. You feel like this doesn't apply, but this applies to every one of us. We can't ignore this. Bible says in Genesis 1 and 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Which means that I'm a black man, but if my white brother gets shot down for no reason in the street like he's some dog, I should feel it because he's made in the image of God like me. What, because he's a different skin tone I shouldn't care? Because that person is Asian I shouldn't care? Because that person is Hispanic I shouldn't care? That's what happens when we're silent. When you're silent, you're complicit. It scares me, man, when I when I see the amount of people that claim, oh, yeah, I got black friends. But then when a black man is killed, they don't say anything. They just keep on going with their cute social media aesthetic as if nothing happened. Not even affected. Calling ourselves children of God. And we're not even grieved when we see such wickedness in our world. You know, we have... A lot of people always saying, you know, fight for the unborn. You know, they're against abortions in the church and they're against the injustice and the evil that is done to these children getting aborted when God had a plan for their life. But when it's a black man and they think he was selling cigarettes or when it's a black man and he went for a jog or when it's a black man and he's just right place, wrong time. Not wrong place, wrong time. Nah, because the cops will catch you slipping no matter where you at. People are getting killed in churches. Let me tell you guys about an experience that I had. 
there was a time, I want to say I was probably about 17 or 18. So bear in mind, I grew up in the hood, so I saw police, um, you know, pull people over. I saw, you know, undercover jump out on people all the time trying to catch somebody with drugs, and they rarely ever found anything. They just knew it's the hood. People always got something around here. And I've seen so many times, you know, that stuff growing up. But it never happened to me because I just stayed out of trouble. School, church, work, home. You're not catching me anywhere. I just stayed out of the way because I didn't want to get myself get myself down that system that I saw everybody in my neighborhood going down. But it was a time I was in a car driving with two other friends. So I'm about 18 or so. The guy older than me is probably only like 19, 20. And then somebody younger than me, so he's like 15, we started driving, you know, and I noticed there was a few cops around us, but we didn't think anything of it because it's, you know, no big deal. We're not doing anything. Next thing you know, I noticed that, like, they were still there. Like, it looks like, you know, no sirens or anything, so it's not like they're trying to pull us over. But I just noticed a whole lot of cops in the area. Like, that was a bit weird. Then we get to the light. We see a bunch of cops, like, you know, they swerve their car in front of us to make sure we don't go anywhere. So we're terrified, you know, a bunch of kids in the car. Like, why did the cops just, you know, pull us over randomly? Like, you could have just pulled us over like like you were going to give us a ticket. But then the cops got out of their car with their guns pulled on us. So now we're terrified. We had no idea what we did. We had no idea why anyone needed guns because we're just three kids from church getting ready to go to one of my boys. His mother was getting married. So we're going to a fitting we were going to get fitted for this man's wedding and a bunch of cops pulled out on us. They came and, you know, all we hear is, get your hands out the window, get your hands out the window. And we're just like, yeah, just do, we're going to do whatever you say because we don't want to get shot. And they're saying, now use your arm. That's the arm that's closest to the window. I want you to move that arm in. So picture it. I'm on a passenger side, the arm. So I'm on a passenger side. They're saying I need to use my right arm. To, un- to unbuckle my seatbelt. So imagine me with my arms out of a window trying to put my hand back across my body. They could have easily well said I was reaching for a gun. Thanks be to God that that wasn't the case, but they allowed us to unbuckle our seatbelts. We got out the car. You know, they had cuffed all of us. They put us in the back seat of the police car and they began searching the car for something. And we're so confused, like, what do we have that you could possibly need? All they did when they didn't find anything, they let us go. And there was only one cop out of maybe about six cars from what I remember, at least about five to six cars. Only one cop saying, oh, we could hear them saying, oh, those weren't the people that robbed the bank. Oh, the car looks the same. So now we're terrified. We had no rights read to us. We were just pulled over, held at gunpoint because you thought we robbed a bank. Okay, a lot of people were going to look at that and say, look at that and be like, oh, they're bank robbers. So, of course, the cops are scared for their lives. There was a time I was driving with a young lady in the passenger seat. I just bought my new car. So it's my first time buying a new car. I don't know much about it. But I drove out of a parking garage and I didn't realize that I had on my daytime running lights. I didn't have on my night lights because it just hit dark. It was probably about six or seven. And as soon as I turned out of it, the cop pulled us over and I was confused because I was like, I didn't go anywhere. So I know I wasn't speeding. So I see the girl on the passenger side. She pulled out her phone to start recording. But I'm, I was real confused. Like, what would you need to do that for? You know what I mean? Because uh, nothing's going to happen is what I was thinking. 
cop comes up on her side, cop comes up on my side. And he's like, what were you guys doing around here? Just like, just about to get, get something to eat, sir. Just like, do you know why I pulled you over? No, sir. I, you know, I just got out of the garage. I, I have no idea what I've done wrong. He's like, oh, your light wasn't on. And I was like, wow, you know, I apologize. So I didn't even notice. I just bought this car this week. You know what I mean? So I'm still getting, you know, accustomed to it. It, it, was, it didn't even register to me that my light wasn't on because it wasn't even five seconds, you know. So I was just like, no big deal. But I saw the way the cop on her side came up to the window until he saw she was recording and he backed off. It just scares me to think how much more could have happened if, she, if they didn't know that she was recording. How much more they could have done and then turned off their body cameras because we see that all the time. Someone just got killed this week and all four cops. We found out no one had a body camera on because racism isn't new. It's just finally being recorded. Police was always being it was always injustice in our system. It was always police brutality going on. And if you refuse to accept that, and that just means you refuse to refuse to acknowledge the truth. You know, it's it's weird, man, you know, because we feel as though those are just a few bad scenarios. Man, I have worse. There, I know many people that have been in worse situations with the cops. But sometimes it's not a, bad, a matter of trying to justify what was going on. It's just a matter of listening to your brothers and your sisters in the middle of this chaos. You know, and, and the thing is, people like to think, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I can't be racist. Yes, you can. I have experienced racism in church. I have experienced people that don't care about me because of, you know, he's black. We're not going to make an effort. I went to a church for two years, predominantly white church. And the only people that remembered my name for two years were not white. So the few black people they had, the few Hispanic people they had were the only ones that remembered my name over a two year period. And I wasn't going once a month. I was going very often. And people were not going out of their way to speak with me. So I don't know. Maybe I look like a thug. You know what I mean? Maybe my suit and tie meant I was a gangbanger. Maybe, maybe, maybe I wasn't, you know, the right fit for their church. I don't know what it is. And I'm not going to label them. But I will say this happens in church. If we look at Galatians chapter 2, Paul had to rebuke Peter. Peter is Jesus' right-hand man. But Paul comes along in the future and sees an issue. Peter is friends with the Gentiles. He's buddy-buddy with them. And, you know, God is good when he's with the Gentiles. But when his Jewish friends were around, Peter acted like he didn't even know they existed. I know you guys think this, this doesn't happen with Christians, but read your Bible. There was discrimination in the church. There was people that were prejudiced. There were people that felt like certain crowds weren't really worth their time. Peter got rebuked by Paul because Paul is saying, how come you act like, you know, you're good with them when no one else is around? But all of a sudden, when your friends are around now, you found something better to do. And that's what happens when when white people say, oh, I have black friends or, oh, um, you know, I'm all for diversity in the church. But you don't see black people on the praise team. You don't see black people in ministry. You don't see black people serving. It's just a white church with black people that attend there. We have to do better, people of God. But what's going on, I, I do want you to understand that I don't believe anything can resolve the issue of sin other than Jesus Christ. And we do know that Jesus told us that in the last days is going to be, you know, wars and rumors of wars. And it's going to be nation against nation, you know, and all of that. But if you translate the word is ethos, which is meaning 
ethnicity is going to be against ethnicity, meaning there are going to be races against races in the last days. We are in the last days and we can't afford to be spiritually asleep. So while I may never get the quote unquote justice that I want, I may never experience the quote unquote equality that I want. I want to make it to heaven more than making a white person like me. You know, because I already know this podcast may not be listened to by a lot of white people because they're going to say, I'm not racist. I don't see the point of me listening to that. I get that. But there's a big difference between me being me not being racist and me being anti-racism. And all of us, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, every single culture on this planet, we have to go against the spirit of racism, the spirit of division, because it's coming to separate the body of Christ So, yeah, rioting will bring awareness, but it won't change someone's heart. Looting is a very messy situation, and we know that it's coming from the anger, but only Jesus can heal these people that have the anger in their hearts. Only Jesus can heal the people that's causing them to be angry. So all of these people, all these races, they need Jesus. All these people rioting, they need Jesus. He's the only answer for all the situations going on. You know, and I've I've dealt with a lot of people that I felt were a bit insensitive when it came to to things about things about racism or race in general, you know, people say comments that are just insensitive and, and, and basically stupid. It's just foolish. But they say stuff like, oh, if he would have complied, then nothing would have happened. Um, Philando Castile, you know, it, from what I saw, because it's on video, he complied and he was murdered in front of his family. There are plenty of people that comply and are murdered on camera. I don't want you to just keep listening to the podcast and pretend that's not something that should shake us to the core. There are people literally dying on camera and we're so desensitized because it continues to happen. Listen, if you're telling someone, if you comply, nothing will happen to you, that shows how easy white privilege is or that shows how ignorant someone is. Because I know of a lot of people that comply and nothing worked out in their favor. I know of a lot of people that comply and I saw them as another hashtag on social media. Listen, if I become a hashtag one day, that's fine. That's fine, honestly. It would be awful for my family. It would be awful for those who care about me. But what would be awful is the fact that I become a hashtag and that's all I am. I'm no longer a child of God. I'm just seen as a hashtag. When did black people become nothing but a hashtag, a name on a t-shirt, just something to tweet about? When did we stop seeing them as equals? When did we stop seeing one another as brothers and sisters? You telling some, if you tell somebody you should have complied and nothing would have happened, That's you telling a woman, if you just dressed more modestly, that man wouldn't have raped you. Would you do that? Would you tell a woman it's because she got drunk that that man raped her? Would you tell somebody that? Your wife, your sister, your mother, your daughter, you find out tomorrow she just got raped. Would you be upset? Would you be hurt? Would you tell her, I told you not to wear that? Is that your response? Is that your response in the middle of this chaos that's going on in our world? Are we going to be so insensitive that we're not going to point out what the sin is because we don't want to call out a cop? 
Listen, blue lives don't matter because you're not blue. No person is blue. Your job is blue. That cop is white, black, or whatever race they are. They are a human. And the lives they are taking are people. They are people they are killing on the street. And if we don't say anything, we are complicit. If we pretend it's not happening, what what kind of Jesus are you serving? The Bible mentions Jesus talking about injustice. The Bible mentions Jesus going out of his way to love people that no one else would talk to. In John 4, the woman at the well, you guys love to preach that in your services. And I see it preached all over the world. But do you not understand that Jews didn't talk to Samaritans? Because they thought they were better than them. They knew they were God's people. They, they knew the Jew, these Samaritans are half-breeds. They're, they're not one of us. They're the mixed kids. You know, I'm white. I don't, I don't mess with those mixed kids. That's basically what that's saying. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. He made it, his, made it his prerogative to go out of his way to meet someone who didn't look like him, who didn't think like him. And that's how we win people for the kingdom. You know, so I hate seeing, you know, a lot of white people or people in general just just foolish. And they want to argue with the people that post Black Lives Matter. And they want to say all lives matter. But how could all lives matter if black lives don't? In order for all lives to matter, a black life must matter too. In order for me to say everyone is made in the image of God, I must be grieved seeing a man shot down in the street who has a wife, child, and now they're living without him. Listen, guys. October, pretty much, you know, everybody knows how that's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. That's one of the biggest months in regards to, you know, diseases in our world. But I've never seen anyone wearing pink on for breast cancer awareness and seeing some rude person run up to them saying, why are you wearing pink? And they say, oh, breast cancer awareness, you know, you know, bring awareness for all the women that are struggling, even the men who had that disease. And somebody argue with them and say, what about diabetes? Oh, well, what about um, what about X, Y, Z? What about this disease? What about that disease? Are we really doing that to people? If you want to do that to somebody, if your mother died from breast cancer and you were wearing pink and someone came up to you saying, no, you need to focus on lupus. You would think this person is either a psychopath or you would punch them in the throat like there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with mentioning lupus or cancer or anything. But right now is what we're focusing on. And if we keep redirecting the conversation instead of handling it, we're never going to get any further. We're never going to grow and shifting the focus so you don't feel targeted is doing nothing but causing more division in the body of Christ. So there are a few things. There are a few things that I think that we can do as children of God um, in order for the church to grow. And the first is to listen. Don't dismiss someone's experience. Maybe you're white and you've never done anything racist in your life. Maybe your friend that's white never did anything racist in their life, but maybe someone else is white and they're racist. Maybe that black person did experience racism. Maybe that Latino or that Latina did experience some racism. Maybe that Asian man who told you he feels discriminated against wasn't lying. What if, what if, uh, what if people are not lying? Is it possible that you can hear people out? Is it possible? Guys, the Bible says in Romans 12 and 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. When we see that Jesus in the story of Lazarus, he loved Lazarus 
and he knew he would raise him from the dead. But when Jesus saw the brokenness of all the people, when Jesus saw, you know, the family of Lazarus, no, just just so broken over the situation, he cried with him. So you mean to tell me Jesus knew he would raise him from the dead, but he's crying over something that he's about to fix? And that shows me it's possible to have faith and still be a human. It's possible to, to, uh, to not neglect your emotions just because you have a spiritual life. Just because God is real doesn't mean you have to pretend things aren't happening in our society. It's okay to weep with those that weep. Jesus knew he would raise him from the dead, but he showed her, I am compassionate. God is compassionate. And if God is compassionate, then we have to be compassionate with others. Man, I need to take a break, but <laughs> let's take a quick break in this episode. Yeah, I had to gather myself. Another thing I think the church needs to do is you need to be active in the healing process. Start the conversations. Don't wait until the world asks, why isn't the church doing anything? No, you go and start the healing. You go and do community outreach. You go and do something that's going to bridge the gap. You know, so don't think, don't think that you can just ignore it and wait and be reactive. No, the church must be proactive if we want to see healing. There are too many churches I've gone to that are predominantly black, predominantly white. And that's perfectly fine because if that's the demographic of the city and the area, then that should be the case. But if you live in a white, white city, a city that's predominantly white and your church is 500 black people, then we have work to do. We cannot we cannot only evangelize the people that look like us. A third thing I will say is get educated. A lot of white people, you know, when you mention white privilege, they feel like you're attacking them. White privilege doesn't mean you think you're better than me and whatever. You know what I mean? It's like they they feel as though they're being attacked whenever you say that. But white privilege is just the fact that there are plenty of times in America, whereas a white man could commit the same crime as a black man. And the white man would get, you know, three, three months, as in the, the guy who was, I believe, at Baylor University, get a couple months after he rapes an unconscious woman. And they're fully aware that he did it. But they didn't put him in jail for a long period of time because they did, they knew it would hurt him emotionally is what the news were saying. However, a black man can get accused of it and can spend 10, 20 years to life. I don't know if you think I'm making this up, but this is the America we live in, which is sick. And if we're not educated on these things, we'll think people are just making stuff up. We'll think black people are playing a victim role. Don't get me wrong, black people, we can improve in many areas in our life. But just because we have room to improve doesn't mean that the system allows us to improve as much as we do, as much as we want to. A lot of black people get into certain colleges or get in certain jobs because the place is trying to meet a quota, not necessarily because they respect their resume, not because they see them for their character, but because, oh, we need another black man. So you could whatever, you could hire him. There's some books that you know, many others have told me I need to recommend to you all um, and a, a couple that were recommended to me as well because I've been trying to read up on African-American history. A few that I'll tell you guys to read. One would be White, fr white Fragility. Fragility. I'm always saying that wrong. <laughs> Two, The New Jim Crow. Autobiography on, the Autobiography of Malcolm X. The Destruction of Black Civilization. And the last one is The Soul of Black Folk, Webb Dubois. Some movies you can watch. And a couple of these are actually on Netflix. So I know many of you guys use Netflix. I have a 
pretty younger generation that listens to this podcast, when they see us, and that's probably the most emotional thing I've ever seen in my entire life, whereas I literally had to cut it off maybe 30 minutes in because I was crying, because I was so angry, because I was so frustrated, because it's true. Central Park Five, when they see us, man, those kids didn't have to go through that. Teenagers spending years in jail. Now I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Another movie you can watch is The Hate You Give. Another is 13th. It's also Netflix. And another Netflix one that I saw was American Son. Oh, man. Just thinking about it, man. Uh, we have so much room for growth in America. We have so much room. And the last thing I'll say that the church needs to focus on is pay attention to what your church is um, what your church is doing in the middle of this chaos. I previously said be proactive, but I, one thing I want to say is be very engaged in social media. This generation is not the same as how it was in the eighties, nineties, or early two thousands. Young people are all over Instagram. They're all over Facebook. They're all over Twitter. If they see you post all day and night about everything, politics, you want to teach to them about X, Y, Z from the Bible. You post about everything day and night. But when a black man sees that a black man was shot down dead in the street and your church's social media says nothing, your pastor doesn't say anything, your youth group won't address it, then that shows me that you have no problem with what happened. Because if it grieved you, we should have been saying, let's let's pray. Let's go pray for people at these protests. Let's go be up front. Let's go let people know that there is a church that has a Jesus, and this Jesus is able to change America. But if your church isn't doing anything, not doing anything is a statement within itself. So how... You know, we have to evaluate how diverse is my church. Like my church right now is predominantly black, but their ch- my church is driven by church planting, meaning the white pastor that we did have, you know, they kicked him out to go start his own church. You know, the Hispanic pastor we did have, they're like they're constantly training. They're raising up white men. They're raising up Hispanic men. They're raising up black men. And they're point putting them in different cities and they're putting us all over the state of Florida where I am. Because they know that it's not about building our kingdom. It's about building the kingdom. It's about winning every race. So that's what I love because my first time going there, I didn't know about all the different churches. You know, I just thought, wow, this is pretty diverse. This is huge. Then I found out that they're actually starting churches everywhere. And, you know, there's so many demographics that are represented. My first time going to a multicultural church was about two, three years ago. And that was a shock. i never seen a church more diverse in my life. And it was everything from Jamaican to Haitian to American to Slovakia, um, Ethiopian. I've seen so many, um, you know, church, so many cultures. And my thing is, if you're in a city that's surrounded by one thing, then obviously that will be the predominant force in your church. But if your church is surrounded by so many races, we need to win these people. Stop trying to win people that only look like you. Stop trying to have all black pastors and ministers. Stop trying to have all white pastors and ministers. No, you can learn something from that Hispanic man. You can learn something from that man who's coming from the Indian background. You can learn something from so many other people. We have to stop 
we don't even notice it. But you have to examine your church. It's like at some point, if we have 500 black men in the church and not one is being raised up to be in leadership, do we really value them? Do I value his or her voice? Or even the ladies that know the word of God, are we giving them are we giving them room to share the gospel? Are we giving them room to express how they feel? Man, I just I just did a whole lot of talking. Honestly, I have no idea if anyone is even gonna listen. <laughs> I just needed to say something, man. I'm believing God for change. And if he doesn't change this world. That's fine by me because at the end of the day, we are all going to be changed. And when we get to heaven, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither black nor white. There's no Filipino in heaven. It's just sons and daughters of God. We're not going to be up in heaven like, oh, cool, there's an Asian. No, because in heaven, God is not looking at us according to our race. God is not looking at us by our skin tone. None of that matters. I'm just ready for heaven, y'all. If you listen to this podcast, I just want to say we love you. We appreciate you. Black people, my family, my friends. I know it doesn't always look good. It doesn't always feel good, the stuff we go through. But just know God still has a plan for your life. Just know in the middle of all this chaos, we are all brothers and sisters. So if you're someone being discriminated against, don't allow hatred and bitterness to get in your heart. And if you're someone who has been doing any discriminating, I pray that you'll check your heart. You ask God to work on you. You ask God to search you. Ask God to cleanse you. Because all of us, whether we want to accept it or not, have been racist in some way. We've been prejudiced in some way. We looked at someone differently. We thought something about them just because of how they looked. But it's not the outside that determines who a person is. It's our character. I love y'all. Be blessed.